listening to Partners in Change with Bree Dodd and Christian Dawson. Thanks for joining us today for Partners in Change. Today I'm really excited because we're going to get to introduce you to the people that run Seva Truck RVA. Um, their names are Justin Moyer and Molly McMahon, and we had such a great time talking to them. Um, I tell you, sometimes you just meet people and it makes your heart happy because of the good that they're trying to put out there into the world. And Justin and Molly are just those kinds of people. Um, Seva Truck is doing incredible stuff for Richmond, and I cannot wait to have you hear about their mission, uh, what drives them, and the cool things that they're doing in this community. Uh, we're coming up on the holiday season right now, and I feel like their story is perfect for this time of giving um, because they're doing a lot of giving and maybe it'll inspire you the way that's inspired us uh, to try and give back to our community. So let's go ahead and get started uh, with Justin and Molly with Seva Truck RVA. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us today at um, Partners in Change. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about Richmond, which we love and the people that are helping it move forward. Uh, we are very excited about our guest today, guests today, sorry. Uh, but before uh, we introduce them, I want to introduce um, Elizabeth Klukarp, uh, who is my guest host again for today. Excited to get into it today. Absolutely. We've got a couple of very exciting guests today. And this story that, that uh, they're going to tell uh, came to us by way of our good friend, Nick Davis. <laughs> Um, Nick was one of our very first podcast guests and, and one of our, our close friends, um, runs Sidekick RBA and uh, a photography studio, fantastic photography studio in, in town. Um, and Nick told us, uh, I love these people, they do fantastic work and uh, you need to get them on the podcast. Um, and, uh, and so they're here today. I've got Molly McMahon, I've got Justin Moyer, um, they're with Seva Truck RBA and we're very excited to have you here today to tell your story. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So um, I guess maybe what we ought to do is find out a little bit about what Seva Truck is. But before we get into the full story, we'll, we'll want to go back after we sort of get the theme of what Seva Truck is and talk about your story. And then we can sort of get into, you know, the, what we're doing with Seva Truck sure. now and, and stuff. So so what is Seva Truck? RVA. Yeah. Um, so we are a nonprofit and our goal is just to, um, make meals essentially and give it out for free. So, but we want it to be nutritious. Um, we want the people who are getting it, um, to be in need. And, but most importantly, a lot of it is from local produce. So local farms. So it's a way to bring local community in, um, to provide the nutrition to people who don't necessarily have access to it all the time. It's such an important project, especially right now. I can't wait to get into um, in, into uh, all the details of how you're how you're tackling this um, this uh, problem in Richmond and 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 why. Uh, but you know, I'd love to start out by telling a little bit about your finding out a little bit about your story. Are you both from Richmond? No, I, I originally grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, came down to Randolph Megan to play basketball. And fell in love with Richmond and, and been here ever since. Oh, cool. Where in Pennsylvania? Lancaster. Oh, excellent. Yeah, Amish country. I'm, I'm from originally from Western New York, right on okay. the border. Okay. <laughs> know, know that area of the country, drive through it often. And yourself? 
Um, I grew up kind of all over. My dad was a Marine, so we lived overseas. Um, I lived in Virginia a few times, but I moved here in 2009 for a job and have stayed the longest I've lived anywhere (laughs) Um, and actually was contemplating moving before this came about. And it's just incredible how um, when you're passionate about something and also enjoy the people you work with, Mm -hmm. um, it can keep you somewhere. So yeah. Is, so is this the first in, environment in which the two of you have worked together? Or, yes. Yes, we, uh, we've been friends. Molly's been friends with my wife for probably 10 years. Close to it, yeah. And then, uh, Molly was the only person we really hung out with during COVID. <laughs> she was our, Part of the bubble. Yeah, she was our one and only <laughs> dinner guest, and um, we got to know her better through uh, through that. And we just hit it off and um, started working together on this. <laughs> It's so amazing. We we all there. There are so many um, challenges, obviously, that that came uh, through uh, through that time, and what you were doing uh, helps address some of those challenges. But there's certain things like those pods that we built and the connections that we built during those times, um, which you know I have fond memories of. Yeah, absolutely. So so was it a specific moment in time where you guys had? the idea or like how it came came to life? Yeah, so I was working in uh, medical devices um, and a physician that I worked with, our, our, another founder, um, Harpreet Graywall, he came to me with the idea about Sebatruck. Um, he was approached by someone from D.C., the original Sebatruck. And uh, I'd been doing a lot of work with the homeless here in Richmond during COVID. Saw some of the food that we were feeding uh, the homeless, and I wasn't too excited about it. You know, they all have high blood pressure. A lot of them have diabetes. Okay. And I thought there, there's got to be a better way to get uh, healthier food options to these people. Right. So I heard about Seven Truck. Heard about what they were doing. Um, and uh, I told them, yeah, let's absolutely let's start one here in Richmond. Mentioned it to Molly, and she was all in from day one. It's amazing. So we went up to DC. And we met with the group up there. Um, they're just fantastic people. They helped us get started, helped us introduce us to the website company. They gave us a free website um, and just took down all the red tape for us getting started. So, so this was the original Seva truck in D.C.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so great. And then they basically said, well, you, you can, you, you have this franchise and you'll run this franchise in, right. in the Richmond right. area. Yeah. Um, the guy has a big heart and he just wants to get um, as many Subway trucks out there as he can. Let's, so, let's look at his story for a second. Yeah. 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 Well, what do you know about that? Well, he's also like Dr. Graywall, they're of the Sikh religion. And Seba is um, a foundation in their culture. And that basically is to help those that are in need in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, Sonny is his name. Sonny and Carol, they run it up there. And um they are trying, you mentioned franchise and it kind of is a franchise yet we can make it our own. Uh-huh. So there's also a Seba now in um, Detroit and then one in the Bay area. And they're looking at growing this and just getting more people. So, uh-huh. you know, in a lot of these cities, we all have feed mores, we all have food banks, but the twist on this is we can make it our own. And what we've done here is Emma and Justin, Emma is Justin's wife and they have a garden farmland up in Ashland. 
and um, Emma is the gardener. I call her the um, CGO certified grow or the um, corporate growing officer. Love that. And so a lot of what she grows, we use in our food. So, and then also we've teamed up and other people have donated from local farms, Parker Farms being one, Bowtie Farms, and then people who just have extra produce during the summers. So we're making it our own that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of, it's, they give us kind of the foundation and an outline of how it goes, but then we run with it to make it what it is here. And like create, like curating that community is, is your piece of that. Yep. And so originally we began emulating off of DC, they serve mostly burritos and that's what we went into planning was burritos. Mm-hmm. Well, because we were given so much produce, I'm like, we have to make salads. So I've been making all kinds of different salads um, and just incorporating, like right now we're being given by Parker Farms, a bunch of broccoli. So I'm making broccoli. Emma's growing carrots that just came out of the ground. And literally that day we served um, kale and spinach and during the summer squashes, cucumbers. So just whatever someone gives me, I don't say no. And I'm like, sure, I'll make something out of it. Oh, that's <laughs> so incredible. That's where my passion is, is like being creative with food. But also I love cooking, but I truly love cooking for people. Mm-hmm. So and also when it's healthy food, it's just a bonus. Is there like a level of education that comes with that? Right. Like, I mean, there, there are definitely communities that maybe don't have access to that kind of fresh produce and being able to like help educate on maybe preparing that similar food themselves at some point or do you find that that's part of your experience we would like to eventually make it part of that like having we've we've had so to also to kind of wrap like back this up we started our first meal was in july so july 16th we were approved by the health department july 15th the Mm -hmm. next day we made our first 50 meals for caritas um so our vision you know, we're still very new, but what we would love to do is to have people out to the garden to teach them about how to grow. We've had a couple of volunteer days at the farm where they do come out and grow in the garden. They plant the seeds, lay the dirt, make the rows, you know, so down the road. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to have them come learn more about what they're, what's being grown mm-hmm. and then how to cook it. Mm-hmm. We can't, we use Hatch Kitchen, which is an incredible facility. We're limited as to who can come in by age for legal reasons. Right. So anyone under 18, they can't. Otherwise, we would love to have them in and show them how to cook. Mm-hmm. But well, down the road, we can do that in different locations outside of Hatch, hopefully. So Hatch is a local business that focuses on on kitchens for food trucks and and mobile food operations. Is that right? Exactly. And people who just don't have the brick and mortar, but may have a product they're making. So yeah, it's terrific. I mean, it makes it so convenient, so much more efficient than trying to do everything in the truck. It gives me so much more space. I can't even imagine doing all of it in the truck. And there's air conditioning on those hot days. So yeah, it's a terrific um, um, location. When you go out there on the trucks, you're uh, you're um, the people that you're feeding. You're you're feeding the homeless of Richmond. You're feeding uh, kids in Title One schools. Is that right? Yeah, we we have uh, a few partners in town, and Molly can elaborate on all of those. But our main goal is to focus on children that might not get um, food at the end of the day or mm-hmm. dinner that night. 
give them a, a healthy meal to take home with them so they can eat and have and make sure that they have a, uh, some food. Um, it's been a little bit harder getting started getting into schools. Um, mm-hmm. We've reached out to several schools in Richmond, haven't heard much back. Uh, I have a friend who is a principal at Greenwood Elementary. We've partnered with them a few times. We've gone to their Section 8 housing neighborhoods, uh, met the kids when they got off the school bus, handed them a burrito, handed their families burritos, um, so they didn't have to worry about dinner that night. Um, one of the things that we need now are, are ways to get into the schools. Okay. Um, we, we, we've tried several different avenues. Um, but we haven't been successful. So that's, that's kind of our next, next big thing we're working on. Do you know what the blockers are on the, on that? I don't know. I, I think this year has been really tough with COVID. Sure. Um, harder than last year. Cause you know, you have kids that are exposed and then they're out for 10 days and then, um, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not offered any sort of, um, at home work, you know, they're just doing worksheets. Kids are out and then, you know, um, I think the principals and the administration have a lot to, a lot of other things to focus on. Sure. Um, but we're, we're talking with, uh, a lot of these schools have community engagement, um, positions. So we've been, we've been trying to get in touch with them, letting them know we just want to help your families. Um, it's fantastic. There's no catch. Like yeah. that's another thing too. People are like, well, what's the catch? And right. like, there's no catch. Well, yeah. so that's, so that's really interesting because a free meal service to the communities in need is fantastic. It's, inc- I mean, it, it, it is incredible work. How do you make all that happen? We've been fortunate. I mean, people, Justin's been a great driving force and reaching out to people. We've had a lot of um, just community support financially mm-hmm. um, and in a very short period of time. And then also during the summer, we bought very little in the grocery in, for groceries just because so much was donated. Mm-hmm. So we, of course, need to keep that going in order mm-hmm. to sustain and grow. Um, but yeah, the people, once they hear what the mission is and where it's going, they're willing to help. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's really wonderful. Yeah. So our first nine, nine months, we... We raised a lot of money through um, friends and family. And then back in September, we got our 501c3 designation. Um, so now we can start talking to corporate partners. Excellent. Yeah. That's wonderful. So um, you had mentioned that uh, that before the pandemic, you had uh, you had roles, you did medical devices. Um, is is there and is this now a full time passion job for you? Is it something that you're doing full time or? It is for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping Molly wherever I can. Just incredible. Um, so uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in, in knowing um, is uh, how the people you said that there are lots of people who have reached out to try to figure to, to, to help. How can people continue to help? How can they get a hold of you and lend their support? Um, so sevatruckrva.org is our website. Um, again, Justin mentioned it, Punch Team up in D.C. area. Um, they did a great job putting that together for us and for free. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find places to volunteer there. Um, so whether you volunteer when we have days for the garden um, ongoing, I have dates on there for the kitchen so they can come in to hatch again, 18 and older. 
Um, and then financially, always we're looking for that. So to they can donate through the website as well. Um, and if people have pro- like products to deliver or to donate, whether it's produce, extra produce they have. Some people, we have a wish list through Amazon, which I Great. can update. Um, but we put things on there that people can send, you know, like if it's the foils for wrapping the burritos or the containers for the salads. Um, we're pretty stocked in the kitchen in the sense of things we needed at the very beginning. But the things that we need ongoing are the wrappers and the containers. So they can donate that way. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have thought of that, thought of that, but uh, that it's makes actually, a tremendous amount of sense. It does. And that's actually one of our big, biggest expenses are the containers because we go through them often. And that's right. the nice thing too with burritos. The foils don't cost as much, but now that I'm doing these salads, those containers actually cost the most. Um, and probably with COVID and delivery times and, you know, that the food industry specifically going up the way it's gone up. Yes. The cost of, yeah. of yeah. specifically takeout kind yeah. of containers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That price has gone up a little bit. So things like that can be no- donated. We're happy to receive them. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> One of the things I was thinking about is uh, on many of the shows that we have done in sort of learning about people's relationships with Richmond's and the things that they're doing to help Richmond change, a lot of the story arc tends to be, you know, what they were doing uh, for a while and then how COVID impacted and changed what they were doing. And in this case, uh, you know, that this story of, of Seven Truck RBA started during COVID. Um, what I find interesting is that obviously the problems that you are looking to solve existed prior to that, but it sort of cast this incredible spotlight on on what was happening to the point where you're like, we need to do something about that. Uh, I think it's incredible the work that that you're doing. Was there was there an aha moment? Was it uh, that conversation that you had? Uh, with the people that were running the um, truck up in, in D.C.? Yeah, I think, you know, just when we went up there, um, just seeing you know, the, the heart that they had yeah. for helping other people um, and how they've impacted their community. They have several partners, and they're doing it on a daily basis, doing 250 meals a day um, with their partners. And, you know, we thought, Richmond could really use yeah. something like this, and I, I saw the need, and um, and I'm passionate about eating healthy. So uh, that was another thing that I, I knew our community needed. Going back a number of years ago, um, I was uh, long before I lived in, um, and I went to college in Richmond, and came back three or four years ago, three years ago, but lived in the D.C. area for most of my adult life. Um, and for a while, I was volunteering uh, in a community garden in the Anacostia area, which at the time had been a bit of a food desert in that area. And the community garden was built to try to give um, you know, fresh produce to the people in that area who, who needed it and weren't getting anything but the kinds of meals that you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. We were giving them high blood pressure, two, uh, you know, two tons of sodium. Tons of, exactly. Tons of chips. Yeah. 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 Beans and franks. <laughs> yeah, definitely saw a need there, and it was so inspiring to see the people that were coming together to try and solve that problem. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so inspired by the story that you've got uh, going on here. I'm so excited that you were, you're able to be here to share uh, the um, uh, passion for what it is you're doing and the ways in which we can help. So what does the future 
uh, look like for the project that you've got going on and for yourselves here in Richmond? Well, and we, we've made great strides already. We're, I'm really proud of what we've done. Um, and it's interesting because the path we thought we would be on in just Title I schools, that path has taken us to different areas. So our six months, no telling what that's going to look like, really. I wish I could say we had it all mapped out, but um, it's kind of nice to opening up Instagram, my messenger, and like seeing people reaching out saying, can you provide us meals? And it might be a group I hadn't even considered. So I'll just ex- or, um, say the, some of the partners we have is Teratos. So that helps people who are getting back on their feet from substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. That wasn't on our radar right. when we started. Um, Blessing Warriors, which Justin, he has helped in the past. And so they benefit... Um, the homeless. And then also recently we started partnering with uh, Virginia Home for Boys and Girls. Mm-hmm. And so I take meals to them each week. And then also Ronald McDonald House in the doorway. So that's benefiting people who have loved ones in the hospital. And so Ronald McDonald, they, every Wednesday, they take our meals that we deliver and they take it to their lunches with love. So they deliver it to the hospitals for the families who just don't want to leave the rooms or don't have time to run out or just don't want to, you know, and also afford it because they're having to stay sure. away from home for a long period of time. That's um, so interesting. I have a very personal experience with that. My, um, my dad had a stroke three and a half years ago and I was still living in Europe um, and actually stayed at doorways uh, because my family is in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So we qualified for that because mm-hmm. that it, and not necessarily somebody who is generally in need, right. But you, in those sudden moments of of need, you are in the hospital. You are. I had just come back from a, a retreat that I did, um, where I had detoxed everything, and all of a sudden, I was living in the hospital. And you got options of like Chick Fil A and Cinnabon. Would like no offense, love those things, but <laughs> you cannot eat them for two weeks straight. Right. And affording it too, because they skyrocket it. the prices in those places too as well. And yeah. we, we lived in the hospital around the clock. We took shifts. One of us would sleep at doorways and um, it was my, my mom, my brother and I. And so like that, that option would have been huge. Oh, wow. Yeah. And oh, you guys are. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, yeah, it's been terrific just to see, and they've been so receptive and appreciative. Um, not just the families, but you know, doorways the around organizations. Yeah. The things that the families have said because I ask for feedback. You know, just do they like the meals? Do we need to change? And they're like, they're just so happy that it's fresh, it's healthy, it's not processed. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that makes them feel better because they're not eating processed things, and mm-hmm. you're in a hospital all day. You don't want to feel even worse. Right. Okay. I mean, the more sugar you consume, the the more likely you are to crash. And that, yeah. I mean, that's just a vicious cycle if you're spending your energy trying to focus on a loved one. Exactly. I love that you guys are doing that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely. So, yeah, we want to grow, you know, those avenues, but also get into more schools because we do want to, you know, actually, when you've said that about kids being dismissed because they may have COVID, that's a... a a portion of kids that we could help while they're at home during those times they can't go to school. How are they getting meals? 
So we would love to access those kids who aren't even going to school because of COVID. Right. Um, so there's because a lot of food programs that they normally have access right. to for breakfast and lunch. And no one's delivering to, to their home. Right. Right. So trying to find avenues, but we understand the schools, I mean, they have a lot on their plates. So that's some of why they're probably not getting back to us. Um, but one successful connection we had with um, Lakeside Elementary that we've partnered with a couple of times is the PTA. So parents on the PTA, if you're listening to this, reach out to us because the PTA, they get things done and they have a little bit more time to organize these things for the kids. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's listening, reach out. We'll Great. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll try and put that call to action in some of the social outreach that we do for this episode, too. Okay. It's wonderful. Great idea. Uh, so one one quick note, um, and and uh, Molly, I want to thank you because uh, when when uh, we first met uh, here at Common House, uh, Molly reached into her bag and pulled out uh, Ten Percent Happier, and uh, it's something which is a book that we talked about on the episode that we did with our friend Nick, who I talked about at the beginning of the episode, and Nick was talking about how, about how that book had a great deal of impact on him. Uh, finding, you know, greater personal fulfillment. And Molly said, hey, if you haven't read the book, it sounded like you were, like you were really interested in that. Uh, you know, I got a lot out of it too. Like, you know, go ahead and read my copy. So I'm, I, I'm very appreciative for you, of you bringing this. Uh, so my question that comes out of that is, um, how has the project that you've been working on affected your own sort of personal outlook on life and your own personal journeys? I can't even tell you. I mean, I'm probably going to cry over this, but Justin and Emma were saving graces. They truly are. They're just, they're blessings. And then for them to entrust this project with me, um, but also to think of me to be able to do it is just unbelievable. Like I mentioned, I was at a point where I was even thinking of leaving Richmond. Um, I moved here for a career in pharmaceuticals and left that a few years ago because it just wasn't fulfilling. And I've been on this quest for something fulfilling in my life and health and nutrition has been that path. And so when he came to me with this and thought of me, I mean, I was so elated, um, very elated. And it's I've never worked harder in my life than I have. I'm on my feet for hours and hours a day, and it doesn't bother me. I worked harder for this mission than I have anything. Um, and I just, I want it to work. I want it to, it's been a way for me to, I, I want to be more in the community. Um, you mentioned that, Elizabeth, when you came back to Richmond, you were looking for ways I've always wanted to find my place here in Richmond to make it feel more like home. Mm -hmm. And this has been that answer for me. Um, I always found things that I could do once or twice, but it was never a long-term thing. Whereas now I feel like this is giving me purpose. Um, it's able to, it's enabled me to latch on to many of my passions. Um, and then to work with Emma and Justin is just incredible. So I could go on, but I just, I thank them so much. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I met with someone early on 
when I was leaving work and I was uh, I said I was going to do this and they said well you're not going to put a drop in the hunger bucket why why even think mm-hmm. about doing this and I was a little discouraged after that conversation but um, you know just through thinking and how things have gone you know if we can impact one person's life if we can help Molly with her life and look at the trajectory she's on right now I mean she's incredible she's doing hundreds of meals a week incredible um, she's taught me how to roll a burrito you know we're gonna we're gonna put a little dent in the hunger bucket yep. and we're also gonna inspire other people to do good things we've had over 20 volunteers come and help us on a regular basis um i've had friends reach out to me and say hey i want to come and volunteer let me know when i can come down and I think it's more about getting people to think about somebody else other than yourself. We can all get so wrapped up in our day to day. There's a lot of people out there struggling. And when I was uh, when I was working with Blessing Warriors, another group in town, I can remember a story Rhonda told me. She said, um, you know, she'll be laying in bed in the middle of the night and it'll be 30 degrees out and she'll have a blanket on. And all she can think about is the guy in Richmond who doesn't have a blanket and she will literally go out and give, find somebody on the street and give them a blanket. It's just, there's people like that in Richmond and it makes it a special city and you know, we're doing our part. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you for being out there doing, doing your part. Um, It is truly inspiring. Um, (laughs) A a little bit of a loss. No, it's fantastic. Um, you know, we're heading into the, the holiday season. People, you know, people need, uh, we should be focused on um, what it is we can be doing um, to help your project, to help other projects in this area and to all do our part in this, what you, uh, what I agree is an incredibly special city. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for letting us talk yeah. about that. Yeah, this is wonderful. You guys are doing great things too yeah, putting a spotlight on people that are making change in the in the city well, we very much appreciate it excited to grow that community yeah. so as we wrap up uh our, our time together today uh we're, we're going to end with uh the kind of weird question that we ask everybody at the end of our uh at the end of our episodes um and it starts with a with a uh you know unfortunate revelation you know, i'm sorry to tell you both but you've died. You're dead. <laughs> That's right. You've died. You've listened to the podcast. Yeah. Right. And I had so many good meals. But... Well, you know, hopefully somebody will carry on and be inspired and, and carry on your project. But for but but uh, you know, unfortunately, you have died. But you're given the oppor- You've been given the opportunity to haunt anywhere you want in Richmond. I want to find out about a little bit what 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 really means tremendous amount to you in this area. Where would you choose? Where do you choose? I would choose the visiting uh, team's locker room in the Siegel Center. (laughs) I played uh, played basketball for um, Mike Rhodes at Randolph-Macon. He was like a second dad for me for four years. Kept me out of trouble. Kept me out of jail, probably. And uh, I would do my part to help him and sabotage the uh, (laughs) teams and they could win all the games. <laughs> That's so cool. I like it. That is purpose right there. Yeah. That's good. And Molly? I would be, it's not really haunting anyone, but it gives me a great view. The The train bridge over the James River that has the arches mm. right next to the 
um, Powite. Ooh. I love that bridge. So, and since you're making a step before Thanksgiving, I'll be eating a pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Completely, completely fair. You have the sunrise and the sunset yes. right there. It's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, even in death, you guys have, uh, you know, will continue to inspire uh, for the great works that you're doing for, for our Richmond community. I mean, we are very thankful. Those are incredibly you know, inspiring answers. I love it. <laughs> so, so thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, we are, um, we're really appreciative of everything that you're doing for this community. Thank you um, very much. Thanks for having us. And uh, one last uh, one last request is tell us once again how they can get a hold of you if they want to help. Uh, Seva Truck RBA, Seva S E V A Truck RBA org, and you can volunteer and donate there. And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook as Seva Truck RBA. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for joining You're us today. Welcome. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode of Partners in Change. A big shout out to our friends at Common House for providing us a space to bring this podcast to life, to Sonny Washburn for the killer music, and to Adam Clark for the rad cover. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time, Richmond. This podcast has been brought to you by OpenEye. They are your partners in change.